0: chapter 25 and we're going to start there in verse 1 we're going to see what we can glean out of glean out of living with a fool living with a fool man i don't know about you but i know a lot of fools and some of us have to live with fools and we're going to see what it's like to have to live with a fool living with a fool first samuel chapter 25 verse 1 and Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him, and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now, you've got to get the context. Samuel is the great religious leader of this time. He's the one that anointed Saul. And when God, when Saul disobeyed God, God sent Samuel to anoint David, and he sent David to be David to be anointed as king. So David has been anointed by Samuel as king. And as soon as Saul started seeing God's hand moving on David, he started trying to kill David. So King Saul, who's still the king, he's after David. He's trying to kill David. David's been on the run for his life all this time. Now his spiritual leader Samuel has died. And Samuel's the one that told him, God has anointed you as king. So all this this stuff that's going on in David's life, and he decides to go down into the wilderness of Paran, because he's on the run. He's trying to hide out. Verse 2. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great, and he had three thousand sheep and a thousand goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now that man that's talked about in verse 2. He's the fool that we're looking at this morning. He's a fool. And notice a fool can be very rich. Just because you're rich don't mean you can't be a fool. Amen. Amen. matter of fact a lot of rich people get to be foolish. Because they get so rich they forget about God. Verse 3. Now the name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding. And of a beautiful countenance. But the man was, a, was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. So there's a married couple down there. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was what? Of good understanding and beautiful countenance. That's pretty rare nowadays, to find a woman that's a very beautiful woman that's got some common sense about her. It's real, real hard. You used to find a good common sense, not great looks. Great looks, no common sense. But this woman had both of them. That's a real blessing nowadays, a real blessing. I'm not talking about anybody underneath the sound of my voice, by the way, for I get bolded out of here. Look at verse 4. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus shall you say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee and peace be to thine house and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shears. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not. Neither were there aught missing unto them, all the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh in thine hand unto thy servants, and is to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David, and ceased. They, so David says, hey, Nabal's down there, and he's got all his sheep, and we've been real good to him. We've been protecting his sheep Herders, we've been real good to Nabal. And what I want you to do is I want you to gather up some men. Go down and ask him for some food because we're on the run. See if he can help us out. We've been so good to Nabal. See what he'll say to you. So that's what they're doing. They go down there and look at verse 10. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I've killed for my shears and give it unto men? Whom I know not, whence they be? So they go down and talk to Nabal and say, Hey, David's wanting to know if you could give us some food. We've been real good to you. And Nabal, he says, Who is David? See, David had run away from Saul. Everybody knows who David is. He killed Goliath. David's well known. But what's happening is David's having to run from King Saul. So Nabal feels like he's got the advantage over David. So he says, Ah, who's David? I don't care if everybody's doing this nowadays. Why should I give to him anything? Woo, he shouldn't have done that. Look at verse 12 and 13. Look at verse 12. So David's young men turned their way and went again, came and told him all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. Uh Uh-oh, not a thing you want to be said. And they girded on every man his sword, and David also girded on his sword, and there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. No, sense. it says the stuff. That's we use that nowadays, don't we? I I would read my Bible, but I can't understand it. You can't understand stuff? That's right there in the Bible. Stuff, look back up at down at verse 10. His servants nowadays, we don't say nowadays. You know, nowadays things don't. That's how we talk. The Bible's written how we talk. We, this, our English language is set up like this Bible. This King James Bible, it's what brought the English language into the prominence it has today. That's why we say you all and all that. It's all in there. But in verse 13, it's finally happened. Nabal's pushed the button he shouldn't have never pushed. And David says, You know what? Everybody get your swords. And David gets his sword. He goes, We're going to go down there and we're going to kill some people. Uh oh. Nabal is a fool and he's finally pushed the last button David has to push. Notice David, as he's going through the, before all this is happening, he actually catches King Saul and he kind of killed him. The man is after him. He could have killed him. And David says, you know what? It's not me. I can't touch the, the Lord's anointing with my hand. And he just let him go. So David was a man after God's own heart. He was trying to, he, he forgave Saul and he tried to let things go. And David did a lot of great things. This wasn't in David's character to do this. But Nabal finally had done the, the thing he shouldn't have done. He pushed David's button. You notice how it's always the little things? <laughs> it's always the little things that makes a man snap. Man, I tell you what, it's uh, the straw that broke the camel's back, amen? amen? It's finally, he's just about had it up there. It's that dripping sink in the kitchen that drives you nuts, you know? Gets you going, ah, you just want to tear something up. because A drip, a drip, a drip. It's always the little things that drives you nuts, man. And, and what, it's just building. And poor old David, man, he's done nothing wrong. And, and Samuel shows up and says, David? He said, yeah? He goes, you're going to be king. An anointing king. And then Samuel takes off and David's on a run, run for his life. He's out there. He's hiding in caves. You read the story about David. He hides in caves. He runs here. He runs there. All this bad stuff's happened to him. He finally gets in there. His enemies, they turn him over to Saul try to get him killed. He's on the run. And one time he's he's over in this country and they figure out it's David. So David gets scared. (laughs) I love this story. David gets scared. So he starts acting like he's crazy. The Bible says he starts letting spit come down on his beard. He's like, oh, and they're like, look, he's gone. David's gone out of his mind. He's pretending like he's crazy, you know, just so they won't kill him. All this, oh, this stuff's happened to David. He finally catches Saul, and what happens? He says, okay, I'm going to let you go, and he's still on the run, and then he wakes up, and he hears that Samuel's dead. His religious leader's dead. So he goes, you know what, go down to Nabal and see what he can do. And they come back and say, man, Nabal just gave us a what for and says he's not going to help us out at all. And David says, get your swords, boys. We're going to go kill somebody. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Verse 14, but one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out to the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us. We were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall unto us both by night and day, and all the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what thou, thou wilt do. For evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. So they go to Abigail Nabel's wife and say, man, you know what your husband just did? David comes down. And when David comes down, he starts railing on them. And he's such a son of Belial, which is another way of saying he's such a son of the devil, that no man can speak to him. You know what I'm saying? He says that no man can speak to him. That's the first sign of a fool is nobody can talk to a fool. Amen. You can't talk to a fool. You try to say, hey, man, you try to explain something to a fool. You know what a fool will say? I know. I know. I already knew that. I already knew that. They're so arrogant. And you're so foolish. You know what? It sounds a lot like a teenager, doesn't it? Now you know what I, mean? I know. I know. And then when they go off and do something really stupid, and you say, "Why'd you do that stupid thing?" You know what they'll say? How was I supposed to know? <laughs> well, you're supposed to know because you're a know-it-all. That's a sign of a fool, right there. You can't speak to a fool. So Abigail is told everything about what's happening to in this story. She's told that uh, David's about to come down and kill them all. So Abigail. Being a good wife, verse 18, she's going to do something about it. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on asses. She's going to take all this food down there to him. Why is she taking all this food down there to him? For number one, that's what he wanted, amen? And number two, the quickest way to a man's heart is through his belly. I know and you think, you're skinny, Brother Keegan. The quickest way to a man's heart, this heart, is through his belly. You know, Nabal being a fool, I was reading a story. of This preacher went into this old tavern. This is like back in the 1700s. This preacher went in this tavern to preach Jesus Christ to these drunks. And one of the drunks was in there saying, there is no God. There is no God. As soon as he seen the preacher walk in, so the preacher spotted him and walked right over to him. And that guy, got their drunk, got red-faced. And he said, do you know the Bible says exactly what you just said? And that drunk said, uh, 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 I, I didn't know that. Because yeah, Psalms 14. It says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Uh, oh, I didn't know the Bible said that. Yeah, I did. You know what's the difference between that fool and you? And that drunk said, uh, no. He said, the Bible said, the fool said in his heart. You're such a fool, you don't say it in your heart. You yell it so all these people in this tavern can hear you. And that drunk just bowed his head. That's the truth. That must makes a real fool. It's, enough. It's, it's bad enough to be a fool, amen, but to make everybody know you're a fool? That's when, you take it to an, that's when you take it to another level. Verse 19, And she said unto her servants, Go on before me, behold, I come after you, but she told not her husband Nabal. She's not telling her husband what she's doing, but she's going to go take care of this situation. Verse 20, And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the covert of the hill, and behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. Now, David had said, now listen to this, guys. Look what David had said he's going to do. And David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. All the good I did for him, and now he's going to be evil to me. That's what David's saying. Look at verse 22. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave of all that pertain to him by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. That's why I always encourage you to read your Bible you're going to find stuff in there that you're not going to hear preachers preach a lot that's a crude expression that crude expression is a young boy that's how mad David is David is snapped he's lost his temper he's had it up there about right here and it's all because of a fool and the foolish things a fool has done and he's going down and he's going to kill everybody verse 23 and when Abigail saw David listen she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground she humbled herself you know what you know what happens when you're living with a fool? You've got to humble yourself. Some of you people are living with fools. Some of you people are living with fools at work. Some of you people live living with fools at the grocery store. Sometimes, you, you know, when you're around a fool, sometimes you're going to have to humble yourself and make excuses for the fool. But the great woman is of great understanding, and she had a beautiful countenance. What did she do? She humbled herself. I was reading a story about this guy that was a drunkard, and he had all his friends at the bar. And he had a bet going with him. He goes, if I go, I have such a Christian wife, and she's so good to me. He said, if I go home right now drunk and bring y'all with me and tell her to cook me something to eat, she'll get up and she'll cook everything and not complain. And these guys in the bar go, you're crazy. There's no way. So he said, come on. And they had a bet going. So what they do, they all load up. It's probably like 10 of them. They all go to her house, his house. They go into the house and bang on the door. They're making all this racket. It's like 1230, 1 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Woman, well, get down here and cook me something to eat. She comes down, smiles at him. And she goes in there and cooks something, cooks them all something to eat, and they're all sitting around the table, half drunk. She's serving them. And one of the drunks that was not as drunk as the other drunks said, How can you do this? How can you put up with him? How can you put up with him treating you this way? You know what she said to him? She said, You know, when we first got married, we both were lost. But somewhere along the way, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and he never has. And I know in my heart, this is as best as he's ever going to get. And I'm trying to make him as comfortable as I can before he goes to a devil's hell. That sobered him up. They all got up and they left. And you know what happened? The husband ended up accepting Jesus Christ and getting saved. You know what she knew that a lot of people don't get? For a Christian, a born-again Christian, this is as close to hell as we're ever going to get. That's a wonderful thought, isn't it? Amen. Amen. But if you're lost in here and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, this is as close to heaven as you're ever going to get. This is heaven for you. Can you imagine this being heaven for you? This is as best as it's ever going to get for you. That should be a scary thought. It's a real scary thought. That's why I accepted Jesus Christ. Verse 24 and fell at his feet and said upon me my lord upon me let this iniquity be let thine handmaid i pray thee speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid she says listen let all this stuff he did let it be on me let me fix it let me take care of it see that's a great woman that's a woman that's taking care of her house she knows we're all going to die because i'm married to a fool and i've got to take care of this foolish thing he's done and she's falling down before david because david's coming down to kill her and everybody else David's furious, okay? Verse 25, let not my Lord, I pray thee, verse 25, let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. See, Nabal means fool. She says, Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. Listen, guys, there's power in words. There's power in names. Look at verse 25, let now my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him, but I, thine handmaid, Saul, not the young men of my Lord, when thou, when, whom thou didst sin. She's telling him, you know what, he didn't come to me. If they had come to me, I would have took care of everything. But you came to the wrong person. How many couples, and y'all know some of them, how many couples are loved because of one of the spouses, and the other spouse in that relationship, nobody can stand you might like the wife, and the husband's a jerk, and you put up with the wife, you put up with the jerk husband because you like the wife, and the relationship, and they're married, or vice versa. Maybe the husband's a good guy, and the wife's a jerk, and we put up with the couple because of one person in the relationship's a good person. And you know what's so funny? The other person that's a jerk, they don't know they're a jerk, and they don't—they're oblivious to the fact that nobody can stand them. Are you in here this morning like that? Is your wife or husband having to put up with you, and you're a fool, and behind your back having to straighten out all the mess you're making? Man, when we get to heaven, we'll never know until we get to the other side of heaven how big a fool we've been. And I'm talking about myself. I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm talking about me too. You know, I was through this story of this doctor. And he's talking to this patient. And the wife's in the room with the, with the husband.
1: In the, the husband and
0: wife are in the room. And he's trying to talk to the husband. And he said, well, now how long have you had this disease? And the wife would answer for him. And he'd ask the husband another question and the wife would answer for him. This one on like three or four times. He finally got sick of it and he said, ma'am, could you come here? And he made the woman, the wife, leave the room. And he closed the door. He went to the husband. And it turned out the husband couldn't even speak. He basically was dumb. He was mute. And he oh, and he felt so bad. And he went outside and he got the wife and he said, ma'am, I'm so I apologize. I apologize so much. I didn't realize your husband couldn't speak. And she looked puzzled. He can't speak? <laughs> yeah. I don't think that I don't think that's a true story, but uh, I know some women like that. There's some women I know that if you was to take an X-ray of their of their jaw, it'd be a moving picture. You know, you know, you see these skeletons they find and they find a skull, and you see them on like CSI, and they're like, "This is a this is a female skull." And you think, "How can they find, How can they tell that's a female skull? Because right in here, it's wore out a little more on a female than it is." In the... I'm just messing around. I got a wife that doesn't hardly speak. Amen. Y'all been around my wife. That's why I married her. Praise the Lord. We get along really well. Verse 26. I'm going to move along if I get in trouble. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholding thee from coming to shed blood and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as never And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. What she's basically doing to David is, she's bowed down and she's saying, David, I believe God has chosen you to fight his battles. David, I believe you're a man of God, and I believe, and I'm trying to help you out, because I really believe the Lord is on you. And see what, he, what David's getting. David's getting this, the stuff that Samuel used to give him. Samuel used to show him tell David, God's chosen you. You're the chosen one. David, God's got something for you. And now that Samuel's dead, God's using Abigail to speak to David's heart. To show him. Look at verse 29. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord. All that stuff is bound up in the bundle of the life with the Lord. Thy God and the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out. As out of the middle of a sling. She's kind of bringing in remembrance David when he defeated Goliath. Verse 30. It shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee. She believes God's words. And shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel. That this shall be no grief unto thee nor offense of heart unto my Lord. Either that thou hast shed blood causeless. Or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord. Then remember thine handmaid. She says, when you get into your kingdom, David, and everything's going right, and it will go right, David, I believe it, God spoke it, it's going to happen, will you please remember me? Now what does that remind you of? That reminds you of the the thief on the cross. He's the thief, the repentant thief, says, you know I'm sorry, I'm no good. Lord, when you come in your kingdom, will you remember me? And what did Jesus Christ say? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You just got to ask him. That's how good Jesus is, you got to ask him. If you'll just ask him, he'll do it, but you got to ask him. And you, if you're repentant and you have a repentant heart like that thief, he'll, he'll let you into heaven. It's just that simple. He didn't tell that thief, now, if you'll go down and get baptized, now, if you come down off that cross and go to church, go feed the poor, go do. All he said is, Lord, will you remember me? And Jesus said, Today, that shall be with me in paradise. Amen. Praise the Lord. And he, that's what she's asking David. Will you just remember me when you come into your kingdom? Verse 32, And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. See, David said, Abigail, you saved me. You saved me from making a really, really big mistake. And I appreciate your advice. See, this woman, this Abigail, she's giving him really good advice. She goes, I, he goes, I was about to avenge with my own hand, and it's a lot better to let the Lord avenge with his hand than to let me avenge with my hand. Guys, you've got to listen to what David's saying. Some of y'all have been hurt. Some of y'all have had people do stuff to you. And I'm here to tell you, if you'll take the Lord's way and let the Lord handle it, it works out a whole lot better than for you to take it into your own hands and get that hate spot. and I'm going to go slash your tires, or like, whatever you're going to do to them, And then once you do that evil thing nobody knows about, you know who knows it? The Lord. And then you have to start dealing with that sin. And so it's better to say, Lord, I'm just going to let you handle it. Let the Lord handle it. And he'll handle it a lot better. And you don't have to repent of anything. Amen? All right. For in very deed, verse 34, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, Except thou hast hasted to come to meet me, surely there had not been left unenabled by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. There it is again. So David received of her hand that which she had brought him and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See, I have hearkened unto thy voice and have accepted thy person. He says, Now everything's going to be okay, Abigail. Thank you. Thank you for your advice. God bless you. God bless you that he sent you to me. That's what he said. And he said, Now go back to your house and I'm going to go back up here and everything's going to be okay. Look at verse 36. And Abigail came to Nabal, that's her husband, and behold, he held a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore she told him nothing, less or more, until the morning light. She gets back to the house, and Nabal's having this big feast like a king. He's eating and drinking and being merry, just like the fool in Luke chapter 12. You need to go read that. Luke chapter 12. He's eating and drinking and being merry. He thinks that's all life's about, was eating and drinking and being merry. He's drunk. And she shows up and she says, you know what, I need to tell him, but I can't speak to this drunk right now. I'm going to have to wait till the morning light. If you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your morning light. This is the morning light. This is the time the Lord is speaking to your heart. You might not, I don't know what you were doing last night. I don't know how you were conducting yourself last night. I don't want to know. I don't know how you were conducting yourself Friday night. I don't know what you were doing. But this morning, the Lord has sent you in here and this is the morning light. He's got something to tell you. Verse 37, but it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became as a stone. He got petrified. He wakes up, he's all happy and everything. Oh, oh, I had a good time last night, but I'm so hung over, man, my head is throbbing. And she says, "Uh, Nabal, yeah, baby, what what do you want? Nabal, you know when you popped off to David? Yeah, well, he was on his way to kill you last night. What? 400 men. David, the one that killed 10,000 Philistines, that David. He's going to come down and kill you. What happened? I went and talked to him. I took him some bread, and I calmed him down, and he went back, and everything's okay. And it said the Bible says his heart was petrified. You ever seen somebody scared to death where they're just petrified? (laughs) Verse 38, and it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. 10 days after that incident, God was watching him and killing him. You know what's interesting about that is we forget about God's in this story. We think of David in his temper. We think of Nabal being an idiot and a fool. and We think of Abigail doing all the right things. And David repenting and saying, you know, I'm glad I didn't do this. And we forget about the one and most important person is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord God is in this story watching what's happening. And when he sees all this take place, he waits 10 days. Why did God wait 10 days? It says there, it says waited 10 days. And it came to pass about 10 days after. Because, guys, we're serving a long-suffering God that's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repent. God loves you, and he's willing to put up with your foolishness as long as he can, hoping you'll get saved. I know many get saved at 70 and 80 years old. Praise the Lord. God put up with that foolishness for 80 years. Why would it not God just took them down and killed them? Because he loved them and he wanted them to repent. Gave them 10 days. But, guys, there's a, there's a payday someday. And the Lord smote Nabal that he died. He never repented, and then God had to take him out. If you finish reading this story, and we don't have time this morning, but you know what happens? Abigail goes and becomes David's wife. When Nabal dies, Abigail becomes David's wife. She's willing to humble herself down, and because she's humbled herself down, she ends up being the wife of a king. When she was married to a fool for years and years and years, God can do some amazing things in your life if you'll just be patient. And humble yourself down like Abigail. Now in closing I want you to go back up to verse 29. We'll close real quick. Verse 29. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. Now notice what she says. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound and the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. If you're a Christian in here your life is, your soul is bundled with the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you accepted Jesus Christ, God took your soul and bundled it with the life of Jesus Christ. What are you trying to say, preacher? What I'm trying to say to you, when you accepted Jesus Christ, God took your soul and said, Is Jesus Christ alive forevermore? Then King and whole soul is alive forevermore. It's bundled and it's bound together. I have a bundled package with Jesus Christ. You can't get one without the other. It's a bundled package. And when Jesus Christ is up in heaven, that's where King and Hall's gonna be. When Jesus Christ goes over here, that's where King and Hall's gonna be. Wherever Jesus Christ's life is, my life is bound and bundled with his life. And that's what the Bible's telling you right there. Is your life bundled and bound with Jesus Christ this morning? I hope so. Man, I pray so. But if it's not, why not? You telling me you're liking this world we're living in? Come on. You enjoying this? Every day I get up, there's less hope. Less hope. More fear. More fear. You know what a Christian says? Oh, please come get us, Lord Jesus. Please come get us, Lord Jesus. I know just 20 years ago as a Christian, I heard Christians talk, this is a great country. Oh, we live in the greatest country in the world. And oh, they would love it. I can't wait to do this and do that. And now you talk to Christians and they're just so miserable. And this country's gone down. You know what? God's not going to let us get comfortable. Because this is in our home. Amen. <laughs> He's not going to let you get comfortable. He's going to make you just as... Why? Because He wants you to be looking up. Amen. He wants you to be looking up. He wants you not to be looking around the world like... He wants you to be looking up and looking for Him. Amen. But listen, if Jesus, when Jesus Christ comes back, that's going to be the greatest moment in Keegan Hall's life. when this, I can shed this old body, and I'll get a new body like into Him, and I get to live with Him forever. Amen. But if you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ, that's going to be the worst moment of your life. To meet your Savior. You see, when I meet Jesus Christ, He's a brother. When I meet God, He's my Father. When you meet Jesus Christ, he'll be your judge. Amen. And you'll be like, now, boy, you'll be a fool. Why didn't I just repent? Why didn't I just ask him to save me? It was so simple. Why didn't I? Why didn't I? Why didn't I? And the only answer that will come to your mind, I'm a fool. I'm a fool. I'm a fool. I could have had all of that, but I wanted to eat, drink, and be merry. And the whole time, hell was waiting for me. Just ten days later. Let me tell you, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Amen. Don't leave Amen. here like that. Amen. Don't leave here like that. Don't leave in a condition like that. God loves you too much. He's done too much for you. All you got to do is accept and say, well, Brother Keegan, I'm going to have to give up this and I'm going to have to give up that. You don't have to give up nothing. Do You just come to Jesus Christ the best way you know how. Let Him clean you up. You think I was a preacher the moment I come down and accepted Jesus Christ? I didn't even know all kinds of sin I had in my life. All I knew is I'm a sinner, I'm going to hell, and Jesus Christ is a ticket out. And I took that ticket. And through years and years of process, God's worked on my heart and worked on my life. And that's what you need to do. You need to come down just the best way you know how to say, you know what, I just want Jesus Christ, I don't want hell. And He'll give it to you. Not myself, although I the same. Hey, this is Kegan Hall, the pastor of Indian Gap Baptist Church. We want to thank you for tuning in this morning. And uh, we're just trying to glorify and lift up the name of Jesus Christ in every way we can. And we hope we were a blessing to you. Now, if you're listening this morning and you're not saved, uh, we want you to be saved. That's our deepest prayer. We're doing all this so people can uh, get the gospel message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And the good news is that he died for your sin. And if you're willing to admit you're a sinner and that you need a Savior, if you go to Jesus Christ in prayer and ask Jesus Christ to save you, he'll come in and save you. Now, honestly, I can tell you, when I've done that, Jesus Christ was the best thing ever happened to me. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about us, you can do that at IndianGapBaptist.com. That's IndianGapBaptist.com. I'd also like to invite you out to a revival we're having on April the 24th. 25th, 26th, that's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll get going around 7 p.m. on Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday will be regular church service starting at 10 a.m. We're going to have Donnie Jeffers, a special brother in Christ coming in from Missouri. He's going to do a good job of preaching Jesus Christ and glorifying him. And we just like to invite you out. I think you'll have a good time. Get to meet us, get to know more about us, and know more about the church. Come on out. You're more than welcome. Until next time. God bless. Of all heaven and earth,